0: Here the second reading from the book of Exodus. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Mo- Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? And when the Lord saw that Moses had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then God said, I am the God of your father, And God said, I will be with you, and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God here on this mountain. But Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I will be What I will be. That is what you're to say to the Israelites. I will be has sent me to you. The wisdom of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. Let us pray. God of our ancestors, God of our mothers, our fathers, our parents, we come to you wandering about you out in the galaxies of space here on this earth as you appear to us in burning bushes and voices seemingly out of nowhere. So we invite you in that you may illumine us, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be truly acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer, and let the people say, We are in the second Sunday of Lent, and those of you who were with us last Sunday or listened online or on our Facebook live feed know that we are starting an exploration this season. For all of us to think about what is our faith and how do we articulate it, how do we express it, maybe even for some of us to write our faith statements during this Lent in workshops that we have after worship on Sunday and on Tuesday mornings, and also with the take-home questions I've given you if you want to work on them yourself, either by yourself or with your loved ones or with friends. So today we continue that study with the foundational question of our particular faith, who is God? And I'm guessing it should only take a few minutes for us to get clear on that subject, so let us go. If you and I turn back the clock several tens of thousands of years... This morning, you and I would have most likely emerged from our caves or our hollows or our tents, if we were fortunate enough to have them, and awoken because of the sun in the sky. Or perhaps the birds would have noticed it first. They would have noticed those subtle changes in the air as the sun's rays made its way to our part of the world. And they woke us up with their singing. We would have noticed the thunder and lightning this past weekend the balmy weather on one day and the cold, steady winds the next day, we would have noticed the snow melting all around us into pools and eddies across the landscape. We would have noticed how the days are getting longer and how that longer daylight, over time, we would notice how it changes and determines the warm and cold times of the year, the times when the land is fertile and teeming with life, and the times when the land is silent and barren and asleep. The sun, in fact, would be one of our first indications of something greater, bigger, more powerful than us, and yet with a very real effect on our daily lives and interactions. It would, in fact, indicate something beyond us. We couldn't avoid it. On clear days, we'd be able to see the sun burning, that big burning mass up there in the sky. We could feel its warmth on our skin. Even on the coldest days of winter, we would notice its effects on us. We might even notice that we feel better on those sunny days and we feel worse on the cloudy days. But still, that light comes filtered through the clouds. It would not be a far reach then, several tens of thousands of years ago, for us to have worshiped the sun, to set up our rituals and altars around its power and its seasons to something even as large as Stonehenge in homage of this big force out there, to show our respect and praise for this big, warm, life-giving source. We probably want to find some way in which to place our fears and hopes in these rituals, in these altars, to ask the sun to be good to us, to provide us with what we need to appease it, to ask, our help, ask its help with the seasons, with our planting and our harvesting, We would need all of that. We might also ask it to help us in our daily lives, that it would enter that warmth in us some way. And we would continue to wonder about it. How far away is it? What is it like where it lives? Does it talk? Does it have ideas? Does it see me? Now, you and I know that as several millennia have passed and as science has advanced we have only expanded our sense of wondering about the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, and our own home here on Earth. The forces around us that we cannot see fully except through help, but affect our daily lives. Telescopes have shown us galaxies beyond our immediate comprehension. Carbon dating and the study of fossils have given us a sense of what the Earth and its inhabitants may have been like before we started writing down history as a species. Our study of plants and animals have shown us how they change and adapt over time and the immense biological diversity here on this planet. And medical science has shown us the wonders of our bodies, much of it increasing rapidly just over the past century. Our constellations that we all inhabit of nerve and fiber, muscle and tendon diversified cell structures that think and move and perceive and wonder. You only have to study the gestation of human life to understand what a miracle and wonder it is that we exist at all. And as our minds have stretched and absorbed this knowledge and have continued to wonder further, so too has our awareness of this source of life, perhaps something beyond the sun, perhaps something beyond our galaxy, some boundless and unfathomable source of energy and life. The problem is that as you and I go about living our daily lives, we are so earthbound that it is often hard for us to imagine anything outside of the scope of our own immediate cognition. We are bound by only the things that our five senses tell us, if we cannot see, hear, taste, touch, or smell it, it probably doesn't seem to exist for us. Or if we can't imagine it in the limitations of our minds, it's hard to think that it exists. We cannot possibly grasp the scope of these larger forces, or even if there's a universal force behind it all. Now, we've come up with names for it around the world and throughout time, the cosmos. Or the universe, or more recently as in, I'll just put this out to the universe, or I'll trust the universe on this. And yes, we've even called it God, or Allah, or Elohim, or the Great Spirit, or any number of names used by people around the world. Many of you may know the oft-quoted trope of explaining God is like a group of blind people explaining an elephant. One may think it is like a tree trunk. One may think it's like a giant hose. One may think it's by a giant tarp. One may think that it's like a small rope. Or as one theologian said, perhaps our explaining and understanding God is even more like oysters in the bed of the sea explaining the stars. Our scripture today, in our call to worship, we quoted the psalmist as saying God is a refuge and a strength, a clear and present help, a protection against trouble no matter what happens. In our passage from Genesis, so beautifully read, we heard that God is a cosmic creator, an architect, arranging things in six mysteriously timed days. And just if you read into the next chapter, you'll read about God as some sort of human-like being walking and breathing in the garden alongside these two human creatures. In the story of Moses, we hear about God in a mysterious fire in a bush, and yet not consuming the bush at all, but speaking to Moses and giving us this existential puzzle. I am what I am, or I will be what I will be. God as the ultimate existence. This idea would carry into the 20th century with one of my favorite understandings of God from Paul Tillich, that God is the ground of all our being, something he articulated in the Atomic Age as we began to understand the smallest parts of matter among us. And if you go throughout the Bible, you'll see all sorts of lenses on God as creator, as destroyer, in the stories of the original families in Genesis, as a friend of the family. In Exodus, we hear of God as a liberator, an arbiter, a lawgiver, in the prophets, God is a protector, and agitator, a truth-teller to those in power. In the Gospels, we hear about God the Savior, the ethicist, the healer, the one great love among us. And in the book of Acts, we hear about God as a spirit that connects us all despite our language barriers and the different places we come from. Now, I'm aware that there are those of us here And throughout the world, that struggle because of the way God may have been presented to us originally in some form. Particularly the language of God the Father. That's a problem for those of us who had fathers that were neglectful or distant or abusive or perhaps no father at all. It goes the same for mothers or or any parent, any caretaker. Our view of God will be shaded by that original human contact, the lens through which we experienced God. Sometimes, by making God too distant, we don't let that divine present, presence pervade our everyday lives in ways that can settle us down or warm us up or inspire us. And also, sometimes, as we see when people make God too personal, we fail to see God's largeness in the all-pervading hand of the universe. The ways that are not only Of us, but of God and of people all over the world. Now, I believe whenever we enter the question of who is God, we have to have a bit of playfulness, a bit of creativity, and a large dose of humility. So I will share with you where I've come down on a definition of God, something that I believe is completely undefinable. I believe that God is the creative animating force in the universe. The force that brought the sun and the stars and the planets into motion. It is the force that keeps the earth turning. It is the force that keeps the miraculous wonder of plant germination and growth and photosynthesis and reproduction of animals continually going. It activates something in the way that we are made, that we are knit together these feelings and emotions and thoughts inside of us, a force that connects you and me with our acts of goodness, our leaning into compassion, our penchant for kindness. It is, to me, this person we call God, the force of love. I believe it's what creates artists to make senseless acts of beauty. It's what causes scientists to probe more deeply into the wonders of our world and the universe, It's a force that allows our bodies to heal when they work well, and it is that source of empathy that can connect us again and again. I also find that it's very helpful in my little life if every now and then I try to take the God's eye view. What does it mean for me to step out somewhere where God might perceive things? How do my small problems take on a different weight? The traffic jam that I'm in that does not seem nearly as important. The petty argument or struggle I'm in with someone I know. How can that go by the wayside if I just expand my perception? I even find this is helpful on the big problems of the world that we're bombarded with every day on the front pages of our newspapers and the home pages of our websites. Because from the God's eye view... God has seen nations and powers rise and fall over and over again and is well aware of our limitations, our greediness, and our ability to be at war with each other. And I also believe that God has seen the earth and our climate go through cataclysmic changes, grand historical epochs after epochs, and God knows that if we indeed mess it up this time around, the earth has regenerative powers. But I also feel quite confident that God, the life giving, creative, all encompassing power in the universe, is not content for any of us to be passive or apathetic about these things. The question that each of us is charged to ask is in our individual daily lives Am I staying true to God? Am I staying true to the things that are life giving, sustaining, creative, regenerative, those that exhibit care and kindness and empathy and compassion and fairness for all of God's children and all of creation? Do I have the courage to listen to God and go to talk to Pharaoh when he's oppressing us or others and messing up the godly order of things? Do I have the presence of mind to stop regularly and stand in awe at the universe and creation, at the stars and planets flung in orbit, the galaxies in time and space, at the wonders that God has put before me. Now, as I said, we will continue with this. I've given you some things to take home, to work on, and to think about for yourself, starting with who introduced you to God and what did they tell you, and is it helpful to you anymore? And I also invite us again to be playful and creative and humble as we embark on articulating our own individual theologies. But I also want to invite you to do something else, which is to take it upon yourself to talk to God a little more regularly than you do and see what its effect on you may be. There's an exercise in that handout you may want to try this week of writing to God and imagining what God writes you back. But also to look for God moments in your day the unfolding of a flower, the return of the buds to the trees, the new discovery of a child some unwarranted act of kindness that you witness, the way your day may unfold for you in beneficial ways that you cannot possibly have imagined or constructed, the very things about your life that sustain you and hold you and keep you going. These are the ways that God is crying out to us, not in burning bushes but in everyday events of life, to remind you that we are beloved, that we belong, that we are a part of this wonderful mystery called God. It is a good and gracious gift to wonder out loud and to explore together. Amen.